This is the Beyond Belief Sobriety Podcast, where we examine topics of interest to people who seek a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Today, I'm excited about our guest. Her name is Tara Boyce, and she is the host of Addic- um, excuse me, doggone it, Addicted to Recovery, an interactive um, memoir. And uh, or an interactive, tell me what the name of your podcast, please. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful. I really should have rethought that. It's uh, addicted to recovery. The interactive memoir. There you go. There a few you too go. many words. There you go. No, it's 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 great. Um, I listened to most of your episodes, except for the one you suggested. I listened to, unfortunately, but I'll, <laughs> I'll listen to that sometime. But basically, um, so what you do is you 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 have a memoir that you've written. You read it, and then you talk about it. And, and, and some of how, and sometimes your feelings about it. And then you also get, um, uh, listeners who have written in about other episodes and you will interact with them about that. It's just really a neat format. Um, you're a, you're a voice actor. Is that right? Well, I haven't started to do it full time yet, but I'm I'm working on the craft. I have a background in acting, and I'm trying to leverage that in a way that I haven't I haven't let my dreams die, and so I've I've got a few gigs there, and I'm still working on it. it well, it works really really well. Um, I enjoyed just I enjoyed just the experience of listening to it, and um, it was just it was just it's a great experience. It, 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 this is a really helpful podcast for somebody that's in recovery because you get to hear, Oh, I mean the person to hear your, your, you express your own words. And then they even talk about how you feel about them to me was a really personal experience that um, it was, it was just a good experience to have. So anyway, there you go. Um, also you have the most amazing social distancing wardrobe I have ever oh. seen in my life. <laughs> that, that was, that was me trying to have some fun with COVID, you know? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. I was almost thinking about posting some of those pictures there, but anyway. Okay. So let's start off Tara by introducing yourself through your story. If you don't mind, can you t- tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into recovery? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that I've been in recovery for about mm, uh, 17 years, but I've only been in successful recovery for two and a half. Um, It's a long and sordid, windy road. Actually, it's not that windy. There was a lot of repetition. Um, I started drinking alcoholically when I was about 18, and... um, I'm not sure how how far down the path I should go in terms of the story aspect of it, but uh, basically I feel like I was always, um, I always needed something to mediate my life through. I was kind of deeply afraid of life, so there always had to be something. Even before I started drinking, I was very obsessive. Um, It would be, oh my goodness, I have to filter all my emotions through uh, my obsession with this man or um, this idea or um, how I feel about my body. And then alcohol just worked better than all of those things because it directs, it so directly affects your brain. Um, and it allowed me to be a person that wasn't me. And the more I used it, the less I could show up to life without it. And the less I could interact with anybody or anything without it. And at a point I couldn't interact with myself without it. So I, I needed it to, um, 
I didn't know who I was without it. So I started drinking alcoholically at about 18. And the first time I ever went to get help for it was when I was 20. And I only got sober for more than a couple of months when I was 35. So, um, so the funny thing about recovery in, in my case is that what I feel makes me qualified to talk about it is just how epically I failed at it for such a long time. Um, <laughs> um, I have many, many, many years at failure in, in recovery and many different experiences going to rehabs, going to hospitals, um, trying to make it work in 12 step communities. And also it's almost like there were two people uh, showing up to those things. There was one person who really, really wanted to get sober and another person who was doing her damnedest to undermine all those all those attempts to get sober who was scheming and lying and redirecting that addictive energy towards um inappropriate relationships and um so yeah um so I'm not sure how detailed you want me to get well, about it. That's fine, but you you did mention that um one one thing that that one reason that you wanted to get into the podcast is that a lot of the stories that we hear in recovery, they seem to be pretty linear that, you know, I started mm. drinking, my life went downhill and then I got in recovery and everything was great, but they mm. don't really talk about a lot of them don't really talk about the ups and downs along the way. And yeah. you've had some of those. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. So many. And uh, particularly when I, I used to read a lot of recovery memoirs myself. And I found that a lot of them did follow that kind of structure. It's like rock bottom and then things get better. Um, but in my case, I had so many different bottoms and things maybe would get a little better, but then they would get worse and then they would get a little better and then they would get worse. And then it was just, everything was just a bottom. I was just kind of like living in a proverbial basement apartment of life. Um, and I feel like there can be a lot of a lot of stigma about about relapse. And you hear a lot of things like, oh, I guess you just weren't ready yet or you don't want it enough or you're not trying hard enough or particularly in a lot of 12 step recoveries. Maybe you're not um, open minded enough to some of the ideas and it can be really crippling to a person who I mean, I didn't go to rehab as many times as I did because I wanted to keep drinking. Maybe at the beginning I was doing it a little bit for show. Um, but generally I was dealing with also some concurrent mental health challenges and it really felt like being locked in with a person who was trying to sabotage all my best efforts at getting well. Um, and I tried to extract, okay, well, what was the lesson? Every time I relapsed, I would ask myself, you know, was it, what was it? Was it, you know, is it just that I didn't want it enough? Am I not smart enough? Did I not do a good enough job at filling out those worksheets at rehab? Like, did I, um, and I would overanalyze it so much, but I found it very difficult at a point because I kind of got addicted to being in rehab because I didn't know how to take care of myself anymore. And that whole, that whole structure too became its own vicious cycle. But I feel like what, what a big takeaway for me is that if you can make the same mistake so many times and then somehow manage to make new mistakes that are still kind of the same as the old mistakes and yet still change eventually you know, that it's not, it's not insurmountable. 
Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I sometimes, um, well, not I, I, I've seen a lot of people um, come back from a relapse in 12-step programs, and um, they just... I, they just, sometimes people just, there are too hard on themselves. It's like, okay, mm. I'm back at square one. I need to start all no. over again. Like, you know, you like, you know, no, you haven't, you haven't forgotten everything that you learned. In fact, mm-hmm. this is just going to maybe get you even further. Um, you know, if you think about recovery, it's nothing more than a process of change and steady improvement, maybe over time. And, you know, uh, a relapse doesn't have to be, um, deadly and, and it doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong or you're not doing anything's right. And, um, it's just, so uh, I, I think it's, I think it's important that, that we do talk about that for some times, you know, um, and recovery too, uh, for me, um, I didn't have a relapse, but I wasn't really happy, you know, for mm. a long time with my recovery. Uh, and I would tell people that, you know, I'm, I, I'm really miserable, but I'm not drinking and that's all I care about, <laughs> which, is kind of, which, which is kind of the, kind of the truth. I mean, I, I was at the point where I just, you know, just don't throw me in jail and, 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 ah. and I, and I, and I'm okay, you know, but, um, I, 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 I kind of went past that, but I guess it's just, um, important it's important for me i guess i learned from that is that i don't have to judge my recovery just based upon how i'm feeling at any given time mm-hmm. that all of the all these feelings kind of pass and i do learn from them as well it's the thing about being in recovery for me it's like a learning process oh absolutely and i feel as though there's this false idea that Uh, I'm not sure if anyone gives them to us, but not even just people in recovery, but people in general, that there is this uh, state of of happiness or almost self-actualization that you're going to arrive at. And then you're just sort of there, like atop the mountain and you're there and no more work to do. You're done. Um, And that that is so that is that is so not the case in any way. And I I also felt like for me, anytime I had the opportunity to uh, go back to rehab or try again, there was this need to prove how much better I was feeling just because I was sober. And this need to be like, I'm so grateful to be sober. I'm so grateful to be sober. But meanwhile, I was just like so tangled up inside. But I was trying to um, I was trying to say the words and I didn't really know what they meant. Um, and. Also, this idea that if you don't get something, like if you don't feel something in recovery, then that means that you're it's not real for you. Um, yeah, and what what I've really started to understanding is started understanding is chasing certain states and chasing a state of 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 happiness or a certain feeling is what I was doing all the time in my alcoholism, and what I feel like most people are doing on a lower level with just you know well what's the next thing I'm going to buy? What's the next person who's going to like my photo? We have this very uh, dopamine receptive society, and yeah, absolutely. And but all states are impermanent, and the state of of happiness is fleeting and misery is fleeting and everything is fleeting. And I can't compare how I think that I should be feeling to how I'm actually feeling. Cause that's just a, a recipe for disaster, but it's tough because we do have lows in recovery as well. And, um, I felt for a long time that if I admitted 
that, it was sort of delegitimizing me as someone who was in recovery or that it meant that I was doing something wrong, especially within the 12-step fellowship. And I'm, I'm not blaming them for this. I feel like this was a lot of pressure I was putting on myself, that I really wanted to be a person in recovery and I had to feel a certain way all the time. Right, right. So in some of your episodes, you mentioned something, and, and I was telling you before we started recording that, that, that there was something in particular about your story that touched me. And um, I'll tell you what it is. It, 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 I th- was your friend's name, is it Rin? Uh, yeah, well, it's, uh, I, not the real name. But okay, yeah. okay. So, um, boy, when you were talking about your, um, how, how you, um, how her death, her suicide impacted you, um, that's, that was, uh, so moving for me. Um, so my story is that, uh, when I was 21 years old, my mother committed suicide. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, um, shortly after her death, uh, someone offered me a shot of whiskey and oh. yeah. And it immediately, it immediately made me feel better or it made me not feel what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And that put my drinking into a whole new stratosphere mm. because I had, I had her suicide that I blamed myself for. And you talked about that in some of your episodes. I had the guilt from that, the replaying, I should have known, I should have seen, blah, blah, blah. And the stigma of her death that we never would talk about it. So that was just like a recipe for me. And so when oh you, yeah, I know it's horrible, <laughs> but when oh. you were, when you were talking about your feelings about, you know, wishing that you could have seen or whatever, it just, it just brought back for me very deeply those feelings that I've had and my, and her death was a long, long, long time ago, but it's like you, they never really fully go away. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind talking about that experience and how you've kind of worked through that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I feel that for me, that was also very much the tipping point. Uh, One of my, one of my dearest friends in the world had been struggling with her mental health pretty much as long as I knew her, but I really, it really blindsided me um, when she took her own life and I was her closest friend. She didn't have many friends towards the end. And so I felt a heavy burden that I really had, I really, I had really failed her because, and I was drinking pretty heavily at the time already, but it was more social. Um, It was more to allow, being with other people. But after that happened, I, I felt like I was just being assaulted by so many feelings that I, of, of guilt, but also there was a certain survivor's guilt too, of feeling like, like, and, and not feeling worthy of grieving in a weird way too, that, that who am I to, to, to feel all these feelings of missing her and wishing I could have done something when I didn't, when I didn't, when I did nothing. And I obviously know now that, um, you know, I, I, I'm fairly certain I couldn't have done anything, but it's odd because things like that are nuanced because no, I don't, she had a very um, explicit plan that was, you know, executed weeks in advance she had pre she had letters that anyways it was executed very well in advance um and i don't think i would have been able to intervene in any meaningful way but 
I also knew that I could have been a better friend at that time because I was very preoccupied with drinking and partying. So it was, it was oddly nuanced in that way. And I started drinking just all the time because I realized, oh, wait, you know, the feelings that I don't want to have when I go out to a party and I don't want to worry about people judging me, I don't have to have those when I'm by myself either. And my voices in my head are judging me and telling me that, you know, and it was, it was such a dark place of having all these, um, all this crippling regret and also feeling unworthy of the regret. And um, I also moved out for the first time all by myself at that time. It was bad, bad timing for that. And when I realized it worked, when I realized I could just sort of drink steadily throughout the day and just not feel my feelings. And I was also very young at the time, 18, 19. So my body was pretty resilient. So I could functionally do that. Um, sort of. Hmm. I mean, I think I thought I was more functional than I was. See, I relate so well to that. Cause I was, I was right around the same age, had the same reaction. I think, I think, I think it was like really subconscious for me that I wasn't really understanding what I was doing, but, I, but looking back, I can certainly see that. No, I understood that alcohol was medication for me. It was my way of dealing with the, the pain and the trauma that I experienced uh, as a result of, of her death and not dealing with it in any way. No, you know, so that, that, yeah. So that when you talked about that in your, uh, in those, uh, and you mentioned her in a couple of episodes, um, I just want to let you know that that meant a lot to me to hear that uh, because you don't really hear uh, people talking about that. It's a difficult subject to talk about, you know, and um, yeah. So thank you so much for that. Oh, like all I wanted to do with uh, the podcast and the memoir in general was to be transparent about hard things that I've been through. So maybe somebody else will be like, can see themselves in it the way that, you know, I often felt when I met, wrote, read <laughs> other people's memoirs and especially something that's hard to talk about. And, and it is hard to talk about because I also don't want to, I don't want to make it seem that I am blaming her for my alcoholism uh, because I'm not, it was a cat. It was a catalyst certainly to uh, making it go from, I drink too much to I'm drinking alcoholically every day. And it, it made that leap happen faster, but I was already on the way. It would have taken something else. It could have been something else, you know. Um, a boyfriend could have broken up with me and I could have started hitting the bottle in the morning. It just happened to be something that was just really awful. No, I totally relate. Um, Say, exact, exact same thing. But, you yeah. know, a podcasting, um, a podcast is a real intimate experience for the listener. Uh, you know, when I, I was listening to you and you have such a great voice and you, and, and, and it's just the, it's just perfect. The sound that's, that's coming. And I, I listened from the first episode, several episodes and, and, and I'm noticing that you just are getting more and more comfortable. And as a listener, it's just a, it's just a very, very, um, intensely, um, intimate experience to listen to you share your story. And I'm just hearing it here in my, in my head. It's just me and you, and you're talking, you're talking to me. So when you share something that a listener can relate to, you know, for me, it was a, it was a good feeling. I mean, yes, yes. The feelings are sad, but it's good for me to feel that sadness, you know, it, which is what's kind of an odd thing to say, but for me, it's good because that was the, those were the feelings that I was suppressing for so long, I guess. So, 
yeah, it's a it's a very intimate experience. And I wonder how doing this podcast has impacted your own recovery, especially when you get feedback from listeners. You know, um, what you just said and what the feedback I've I've received from a few people makes me feel like I'm doing something right in a way that I haven't felt in, in a really long time. And it also makes me, gives me a sense that everything that I went through has, has a purpose in a way that if I can leverage it in a way that is therapeutic or helpful to somebody else, then it wasn't just time that I threw away. You know, it wasn't just, I can, I can recycle it into something of value, you know? Um, and it's also tied up though with, uh, see a lot of when I was doing the podcast, I like to think in terms of when I think about things like, you know, character defects of how can I use the things that can be a liability for me and turn them into something beneficial. So I'm naturally kind of verbose and overanalytical and in my head a lot and that can be a huge liability, but I figure it can also be a huge strength because maybe I can excavate something in myself that somebody else doesn't have the words for. And I can put it out there in a way that can assist someone else in their recovery. And it really, and it's kind of weird for me to say because I still feel like, who am I to be talking about recovery? I'm just this kind of fall down drunk. Um, not recently, but, and it is tied up with a lot of my fears of, um, what other people think about me. And it's a hugely vulnerable process, obviously. Um, but I also feel that so much of my alcoholism was tied up with being afraid of everything and particularly how other people are going to perceive me. So, um, a good way of, kind of just doing the opposite is I'm just going to put it all out there, you know, like <laughs> kind of take the thing that I fear the most and, and look it straight in the face. And I figure the more I do things that scare me, the more I am, I'm building the muscles that I didn't have when everything was a reason to drink. Because before, like, you know, I stubbed my toe, I, I need to drink. Someone looked at me the wrong way, I need to drink. You know, um, you know, one of my eyelashes falls out, I need to drink. You know, like, um, so if I can intentionally do things that make me really anxious, <laughs> then it's kind of like building an immunity to that, to that anxiety. Um, and so it's, al- it's allowing me to grapple with my own demons in, in a lot of ways there. Um, but I feel that I really need to feel invested in my recovery and I am still active in 12, sh- uh, 12 step fellowship, but I'm also an introvert and a performer. And if something is going to be meaningful to me, it kind of has to be, cr- I have to find a way to make it creative, you know, cause that's, that's what kind of, that's what lights me up. And I didn't get sober to not be lit up. And if I can somehow merge my creativity, my performativity and my recovery. That's what I was thinking when I started thought of this whole project. I'm like, well, that's, that's pretty cool for me. Um, I haven't had any terrible negative feedback yet either. So I'm not sure how I would react if that happened, but I feel like I do enough work on myself that I'm able to understand that 
somebody's coming from, if someone's coming from their life experience and, you know, something that I said activates something in them, mm-hmm. obviously I'm not trying to hurt anybody, right? No. Um, so but- I had some negative feedback once that I will never, ever forget. The oh, guy, yeah? Yes. The guy accused, the guy said that I'm codependent with my guest. And it's like, oh. no, I'm like, no, no, I'm not codependent. I'm just not going to argue with people. You know, they're sharing their story with me. I mean, goodness gracious, this isn't a debate program, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, so that was the, the funniest one. But usually I don't get, um, um, I don't get much criticism at all. So, um, but I will t- also tell you that um, for me, uh, your recovery, your recovery shows also in your sense of humor. So that's, that's the one thing I love about, um, recovery meetings, 12 step meetings, AA meetings, whatever, is there's always, we have these, we have this, we have this horrible, sad, these sad, tragic story. I know, but we can, we can laugh and, you know, you have a great sense of humor and, and it shows that, you know, that is so important for people to hear. Because it shows that, okay, she has been through hell and now she can talk about it and she can laugh about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, If I didn't have a sense of humor about myself, I'm fairly certain I wouldn't be here. Um, And I would get called out for that in therapy a lot for using it as a defense mechanism or being inappropriate because, um, and maybe it was, but it worked. Um, And I think I heard I heard this expression once that, you know, if you're going to laugh about it one day, why not today? And yeah, sure. Maybe it was a little inappropriate for, you know, um, waking up in the hospital and making jokes about it to the <laughs> nurses, you know, um, you know, seeing the IV and being like, I certainly hope there's liquor in that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe that was a tad inappropriate. But but now I feel like that it it shows that we're all just human beings and we're, we can be so silly sometimes and see, and there, it just, everything just feels so felt so dramatic when I was in it and to be able to step back and have a sense of levity. Um, that's what feel, makes me feel free. I more free, I guess, being able to laugh at something. Okay. So maybe we should talk about the episode I didn't listen to. Um, you, you, you did, you did mention, and since we, this is kind of what we do here beyond belief sobriety. Mm. Um, so, so you, so you're still involved in 12 step programs. And, um, so tell me about the God thing and how, was that, was that a problem for you? Oh, oh yes, yes, absolutely. And, um, I'll, I'll take my own inventory in the sense that I feel like I had a very narrow idea of what people mean when they say God. I really thought that which showed a sort of lack of respect for other people's intelligence that I literally thought that anyone said who said God was talking about some bearded dude holding a scroll (laughs) who was going to, you know, judge them at the gates and, you know, like that sort of literal uh, religious fundamentalist thinking, not, not that many people actually subscribe to, but um, I feel like it's a lot to ask of people when they're having to give up, their most cherished relationship in life often with their drug of choice to also ask that they give up their way of seeing reality. And in, in a lot of ways, my, my way of seeing reality was skewed when it came to my relationship with 
well, alcohol, people, my body, et cetera. But um, my understanding of how the world works and the metaphysics and, um, and religion, spirituality, that wasn't why I drank. I didn't drink because I, you know, I read too much Nietzsche. Um, that, that, that wasn't what did it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I picked up a Sam Harris book and I was off to the races. But um, and I really felt that when I went into 12-step recovery in the early days that if I couldn't get myself to think a certain way or feel, it was more the feeling, if I couldn't get myself to feel the presence of something inside of me, then I had no chance of getting sober. And a lot of that was me um, projecting outward because, you know, most of the people I know in AA are pretty open-minded and I can, I can talk about my non-theistic approach to spirituality and they're not and they're not mean about it. And, and, but you don't get that idea when you just come in and you hear God, 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 God. And you don't necessarily have anyone translating for you. Like you don't really have anyone to pull you aside and, and, I mean, you can seek that out, but my goodness, when I was going into meetings, I didn't know how to talk to people. I certainly didn't know how to challenge, like be like, you know, all those, all those weird things that you just read, like, um, what is, what translate that? And nobody does that necessarily when you walk in. Um, and it would be nice if, you know, perhaps there was a way to make it more inviting to secular people on the surface, because you can have a really great experience there as a secular person, just in terms of uh, the community. And also the steps themselves are, are, are pretty decent. There's a lot of good good stuff in there, stuff that borrows obviously from Christianity, but also there's echoes of Buddhism in there, there's echoes of Stoicism in there with the inventory, and there's some good solid sort of CBT-based mm-hmm. stuff yeah, that there is, is a good thing there? to do. And the mentorship program, I think, is wonderful with sponsorship, but there's also just this feeling that if you didn't get it, then you're doing something wrong. And it made me and I don't want to say it because you know twelve step is not just one thing. There's That's no the thing. There's, it depends so on what group you go to and, on what day. Yeah, and there's and I've met most of my favorite people in in twelve step meetings, but um, there is a sort of PR problem as a whole where um, when you come in, it feels like it's really on you to bend and twist your um, your mind to accept a kind of higher, higher power of your own understanding. But then in the book, it says that you have to pray to that higher power. So what understanding? Because that seems like a very specific understanding. Um, So it was confusing to me. And I tried hard to, we were speaking of Maria Hornbacker before, and I tried to get through, um, her version of the steps in the book uh, Waiting, and that helped me quite a bit in terms of understanding that I could come to terms with agnosticism as its own form of spirituality. And that really, really helped me. And there's some other books, even Russell Brand's book, Recovery, helped me navigate through the 12 steps. I still steps. haven't read that one. But, yes, it's but, good. Mm-hmm. It's good. But I guess the problem is if you have to do so much translating with the basic text, um, I feel that once you kind of get it, once you're sort of 
in recovery for a while and you're doing well, you can sort of have this wink, wink, nudge, nudge with the other people in the rooms about, oh yeah, okay, well they say God and we, we're all okay with it and it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. And even if it does for some people, sure. But you know, that's, that's people who are already sober and they're doing well. So I feel like there's a lot of preaching to the choir that happens, but not enough kind of um, bringing newcomers into the fold and sort of letting them know that, they uh, were not there to convert them and there's not going to be some sort of a weird culty indoctrination thing. And maybe there will be, because once again, every single group is different. That's the thing. But, That's the mm-hmm. thing. You can't really define like AA yeah. because it really depends on the group mm-hmm. who might happen to be there that day. I exactly. mean, I've heard all kinds exactly. of crazy stuff in AA meetings. Mm-hmm. And I've also heard some wonderful stuff too. So it's, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not like one AA, where this is just the way it is. Exactly. It, it can just... be different. And I go to one meeting, I go to another one across the street. It's a, a very different vibe. Uh, but yeah, it's so there's there's definitely not just sort of one way of going about it. But I, I also feel, though, that like if you are in recovery and you want to have a strong recovery community, 12-step is kind of where the meat and potatoes are there. Right. But I don't feel like the burden should be on the newcomer to do all the work. Not everybody has it in them to read as many variations of 12 step books as I did. And some people don't have the time. I just don't know why I'm not dead. You know, like I just, I just don't really understand. And it's like, Oh, end up in the hospital. I'm going to read another one of these 12 step books and see if it, see if it sticks, you know, but some people don't also, I live in Canada. Right. So I was able to go to rehab 12 times. Okay. There Um, you go. There you go. Yeah. uh, So not everyone has the luxury of, of working through their own um, prejudices and misconceptions. uh, And a lot of people will just go and hear God a lot and run away and never come back. And that's sad because there is a lot of value to be found there. Um, There is, you know, and I've, and I've come to understand the steps is just, um, wording um and it happened to be some the the language of some people from long ago that's how they described their recovery but when you really get down to uh the experiences and the actions that were taken you can really see that okay yeah i had this experience but i just describe it differently and i've done these things but it for me, it was a little bit less mystical. It was a little more practical, you know, and I'm very comfortable with that, but yeah, uh, a new person might look at that and, and, uh, and it's really hard to see beyond the, those words. I remember the first time I saw the words, it kind of surprised me. I I didn't know there's so much God involved here, but, but my thing was I could, it wasn't that difficult for me because first of all, there were a lot of people telling me not to worry about it. There are a lot of good people telling me don't worry about it. And also I kind of just kind of learned how to, how to kind of talk the language. There's a real language. There's a language. Exactly. You know, yeah. Kind it's of kind of like that. the, 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 the lingo of recovery, you know, there's like music jargon, there's like techno tech jargon, and this is kind of like recovery jargon and it's often 12 step based. So um, that's why I, I do feel like it's a, a, a good idea to have a foot in the community as it were, because it's just a really big community. But um it's accessible and you can always add others to other things to it as well. Yeah. But I, I feel that, you know, there's a certain level of, 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 you know, I, I mean, I'm not the authority on anyone else's recovery. And that's another thing I always insist on in, in the podcast is that I know my experience and what was hard for me and what worked for me. And even when I did my latest episode on 12 step communities, I'm really just trying to troubleshoot and unpack the things that were difficult for me. And, 
make it and hopefully help someone else who might be struggling with the same things. But, you know, I, I don't want to be saying, you know, 12 step is this or that or the other thing. Um, but I do know that I did struggle with some of the steps just in terms of the, uh, the content as well, because I may have an overblown ego, but it's not in, I don't think it's in the same way as, as, as it was for Bill and Bob. I feel like it's more in a, um, internalized, obsessive, self-critical. So even take the inventory steps. I think doing an inventory in theory is good, but doing an inventory where I'm asking myself, what did I do wrong today? You know, my brain can come up with reasons why I'm doing something wrong every second of the day at all times. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I guess I, I feel like there should be a welcome package that people get when, when they walk in the door, you know, like all those pamphlets that they have that nobody ever reads, but there should be a whole bunch of different ones that it's like, Hey, you can try this book too. And if, and if you're worried about this, here's some things that you can, uh, but nothing's perfect. And I don't run the role. I don't run the world. No. And I, I do, I do think that I do think it's kind of, I think it's kind of improving now because uh, one reason I think COVID in a way has kind of helped in somewhat because now we're, we're able to um, go to meetings outside of, um, Kansas City. I don't think it's going to be easier. I could go anywhere I want to in the world, you know, and, yeah. and you're meeting people with different ideas than, than you might hear from your own local home group. And I think that, I think that that has helped in a lot of ways with the recovery community and people realizing that, you know, that, that there, there are other options and ways of, of understanding uh, recovery and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I've gone to meetings in many different places. I've gone to some secular meetings. I've gone to some Buddhist meetings. I've gone to, um, uh, yeah, meditation based meetings, like a whole bunch of different types. And so it's really cool how kind of like the core is still present in a lot of ways. But for me, um, as much as I, can rail on about how mad the G word made me and how I come to, but it really, when I felt all this pressure to come to find a higher power of my own understanding, it did really propel me into a sort of spiritual seeking where I wanted to know, you know, how do I live life in a way that is meaningful and ethical with wisdom and integrity and to, have a good relationship with myself and other people and um, live in alignment with values that before I was over, I didn't even know that I had. So that's how spirituality kind of took shape for me as a kind of ethical seeking. And I'm really grateful to the fact that I was unable to find God because I feel like it's easy to kind of have this moment and kind of stop there. But for me, I was I'm grateful for the fact that I didn't find, you know, unless he's hiding under my desk somewhere, but because it gave me a sort of hunger for growth that I still have. I don't feel like I've arrived at the answer. And just as sort of like you were talking about with uh, happiness before, I don't feel like there will ever be a time where I will arrive at an answer, but I love the process of, of seeking and changing and, uh, appreciating wisdom from all sorts of different disciplines as well. 
And if it wasn't for the 12 steps and if it wasn't for me being a darn perfectionist who wanted to prove to everyone how spiritual I was, <laughs> um, it wasn't for my darn ego, actually, I, I wouldn't have done as much reading. I wouldn't have done as much exploration. I wouldn't have tapped into certain parts of me I didn't even know were there. So it just kind of gave me a hunger and my spirituality is very much about agnosticism because if the moment I think that I know anything, the moment I stop learning, right? And geez, I don't, I don't know anything really. I certainly don't know how, what governs the universe. I don't even know what I'm going to say next. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you, um, so how you do this podcast? So um, do you, is your memoir, is it written already and complete? And is it like published and writing somewhere where you can read it? Or are you writing and then putting that out on your podcast? Mm, well, I think the jig is probably somewhat up by now. I, it was mostly written, I would say, or I thought it was mostly written when I started doing, when I started doing the podcast. Um, But then as I started doing the podcast, I started reflecting on some of what I had written and realizing that, oh, that doesn't really fit here. Because I had this whole long drawn out childhood section that I haven't really that I haven't really put in because I don't know, it just didn't seem like it fit in a lot of ways or I don't know, I thought people would get impatient with it. Um, So I kind of put a lot of that on the back burner. And then as I started going going through some of the chapters, I'm like, well, there's this huge gap here that I didn't think was important because, you know, of where I was when I was writing it. But then I started reflecting and thinking, well, this is important. So I did write additional chapters and there are some gaps here that here and there, but um, also as I've continued to change and reevaluate uh, the, the past didn't change, but as I change, my perspective on it changes. And also as I formatted the podcast, a lot of the episodes have to do with, okay, well, yes, sure, I'm an alcoholic, but how did that manifest through the lens of my concurrent mental health struggles? Or how did that manifest through the lens of my uh, struggles with um, eating behaviors? Or how did that manifest through the lens of of 12-step fellowship membership or how did that manifest through intimate relationships and as I kind of started structuring them a little bit more like that that made me have to take borrow a little from here slap it there do a little copy paste do a little so I'm kind of doing a lot of patchwork with it as it goes but I think that's great it is Um, it's it's incredible it's first of all you're an amazing writer the writing the writing is really 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 good oh it's not edited at all so oh my gosh and then the the delivery is perfect your delivery is perfect it's just an, it's just an amazing experience but what is so cool about it is you you'll, you'll go through this um I, I think you're you're reading it right but then you talk about it and you talk about how even you feel about it like you 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 would say to the listeners that i know this might be hard for you to hear it's hard for me yeah for you yeah. to hear when you when you write about <laughs> like it i'm talking about myself but i still want to hear i still, I still don't want to hear about that <laughs> it's it's very it's very unique you've got a really unique thing going there and i'm i'm gonna i'm, I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of your podcast and i'm gonna recommend it to people because it's just it's just really 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 well done it's really really well done thank so. you well i think i made it up like the whole idea i don't think anybody else is doing that i don't so, think so i don't uh, think so it's really cool i think i made up the concept so that's, that's <laughs> it's cool. yours but yeah and with the constraints of a, a traditional book too i feel like um if i did just write it all down and try to get it published 
the traditional route, I wouldn't be able to do all this stuff that I'm doing now with it. And also it would be sort of like, okay, well, that is, that is the last word. That is what I think about that. But if I do this podcast indefinitely, of course I might run out of material from my past, but um, I'll always be able to draw on it or even refer back to old things and be like, well, you know, I think I have something different to say about that now. And cause I don't think that I'm, you know, I'm done in terms of growing and changing it at two and a half years. And, uh, releasing it in a podcast form allows me to interact with it differently myself and also bring in, cause a memoir generally is kind of supposed to be about one thing. Um, and it allows me to bring in, okay, well, I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to talk about that too, because it doesn't, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a great experience. It's a great experience as a listener and I can see how it would also help, help you to learn about it. And what's going to be really interesting for you is if you keep doing this for a few years is to look back <clears throat> on some previous episodes and say, yeah, you know, I, that's how I used to see that, but I don't quite see it that way now, you know? And yeah. that's, what, that's what I've noticed with, with, um, with doing this is I'll look back like five years ago. And it's like, you know what? I know I said that, but that, I don't know. That, that's not exactly how I see it now. You yeah. know, so it's, you get to see your own growth and how you, how you, you evolve too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It allows you to re- like reflect back on it and keep it. It's, it's more, it's more of an alive experience. I, I feel like it's almost like an organism that I can keep feeding, um, which is, which is, which is cool. But it also, I also have to be cautious of putting all my eggs in one proverbial basket too. Um, in that I, I am very obsessive and, you know, I, this podcast needs to be part of my recovery, but it can't replace the other normal human things like, you know, talking to people and doing the dishes. And <laughs> That is really a good point. And I have to remind myself of that too, especially since COVID. Um, Cause I, you know, I'm not going to face-to-face meetings and I, and I said, you know what, this, re- this, this podcast is really my recovery program mm-hmm. and it is to a sense, but I, I still need that human connection. Yeah. And so today I, I ran an errand and I dropped something off to a friend of mine from my home group and I hugged her mm-hmm. and it was the first time since March of 2020 that I hugged anybody from my home group. And it was so, it was so nice to see her in person Mm -hmm. and talk to her. And I, I miss that. And, and I was telling her, she said, well, that podcast really keeps you busy. Doesn't it? I said, yeah, but sometimes it can also be a way of, um, it could be a way of hiding and Mm -hmm. from, um, people isolating in a way. Absolutely. You know, so it's kind of weird. It's like everything. It's, uh, it's got a good, it's got a bad, it's it's a little bit of balance. I guess I always need to find. I feel as long as that you're engaging with it, with that awareness of it, you can sort of keep it in check. Right. Um, so, uh, like in the sense that like it's, it's very easy for me to, um, maybe even obscure how I'm feeling if I'm behind a microphone reading something that is scripted. But this, for example, this is, this terrified me completely (laughs) because I'm, I'm off book. I don't have the security of being able to go back and edit it. I don't have the security of, and it made me realize how, um, how I was sort of reverting back to certain behaviors of really wanting to control everything and really wanting to, um, and, and really wanting to just sort of be by myself where I can control the outcome of things. Um, But something like just talking to you now is such a different experience because there's another person and I'm not, you know, and, 
and that that's scarier in a way than um, than putting out a product you know that's done. <laughs> Well, you do, you do it really well. And the podcast, I'm going to get it right, is Addicted to Recovery and Interactive Memoir. Uh, the Interactive Memoir. The Interactive Memoir. And I'm so <laughs> sorry. I, 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 I'm like, okay. why am I having such a hard I'm time rethink, with this? I'm rethinking the title. <laughs> no, like, don't. It's perfect. It an acronym? It's, it's, it's perfect. I'm just the dodo, the dumbhead that can't seem to say it for whatever reason. I actually wrote it down, but I wrote it down wrong. Anyway, that's my that's my problem. So anyway, thank you so much, Tara. It was so, it was so great to have you here. And, oh, it was uh, so wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, I, I'm, t- I'm totally going to recommend your podcast to people. And I'm going to continue to listen to it. It's just very, very well done. So Thank you for bringing it to my attention and for oh, sharing my it here pleasure. With I'm, with I'm so glad that it, that, that, that it's helpful to you because, um, yeah, it, it, it means a lot to me to just have people talking about recovery and normalizing it and, and being transparent about the different ways we can be in recovery. Cause there's no one way to be in recovery. Right. Um, but I feel like, one thing that is sort of non-negotiable is that it does have to be shared in a way and it does have to be brought to the light. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.